It's so good to be with you today. Uh, it's a very special day on uh, many, many levels. Uh, none more special than the opportunity to gather with God's people uh, and to lift his name up, which is every Sunday. Uh, every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. Today, it comes at the end of Holy Week, where we have been uh, really, I mean, for weeks and weeks through the season of Lent, we've been like headed toward this weekend I'm so happy to be with you. Uh, we'll be in John chapter 11 if you uh, want to turn there or uh, we'll have it on the screens and stuff. As you turn there, let me just sort of catch you up a little bit on what's going on here. Uh, two churches uh, got married a couple weeks ago and we are now Living Hope Fellowship in Sherwood. So Sherwood Baptist Living Hope came together and we've been meeting for a couple of weeks now, kind of getting to know each other and uh, learning, kind of learning each other's rhythms and that kind of stuff, learning some names and, and all that. And we've been kind of headed toward today as sort of our uh, big kind of like open to the public kind of deal. And so, so glad that some of you um, were able to be with us today for this. Um, there are a number of things that come with, with transitioning when, you know, when two churches do what we're doing. And uh, there's this all kinds of stuff we're figuring out, and it's kind of, it's been fun, it's been challenging in, in some ways, but it's really been so smooth, and, and I know that a lot of you who are with us today have been praying for, for everything that's going on here, and so happy that you're able to, to be here with us in person today. One of the things that is a little different that we're trying to get used to, I mean, I want to go ahead and kind of get this out of the way so we can kind of just roll right into it, but... Uh, you know, at the end of, of any sermon, if you've ever been to uh, church anywhere, there's, there's an opportunity to respond to what's going on as what God is stirring through the songs and through the scriptures. And there's a time of, of receiving and that kind of stuff. Let me sort of tell you what's going to happen when we get there. Let me just get, get some of the details out of the way now. Because there's a lot, probably maybe a lot more moving around than you might be used to. And uh, it's, it's different to, for us uh, from Living Hope to move around in this room. And for sure what is diff- different, you know, so we're kind of figuring that out too. But uh, whenever God's word goes out, we respond to it somehow. You either say yes or no, basically. And whether you're going to say yes or no is between you and God. But if you want to say yes, different personalities, different places in life, you know, kind of, you kind of have different, different ways that you want to do that. So we want to give you a number of options. So let me run through what your options are. Uh, for some, all you want to do at the, when, when, with what God is stirring is you just want to sing. And so there'll be music going on and we're going to sing some more and you can just stay where you are and you can sing and that's awesome. Uh, for some, you want to, like, you want to pray, but you want to, like, put some, like, like, I need to get up out of my seat and go pray. And so these big wide steps are up here and you can come. It can be just you. You can bring some friends with you, whatever. If there's something going on and you're like, I need to go down there, I need to pray. This kind of becomes a place where that happens on these steps. And want you to, to know that you can just come and do that on your own or with other people. Whatever, however you want to do that, it's great. If you want to talk with someone, if you're like, yeah, I just, I re- something's going on here and I, just, I want someone to pray with me to talk uh, about this. Whether it's, uh, I don't know who this Jesus is that you're talking about and I want to know more. Or uh, if there's something specific going on, our, uh, our elders and staff will be kind of st- like standing along the front row up here whenever that comes. They're just going to be standing there, not, you know, not looking around or anything, but you've got to go to them. And if you make eye contact with them, they're, you're locked in. You've got to go at that point. So be, be careful with that. Um, they will be here ready to pray with you. There's some uh, stations, some little tables on each side over here with an offering plate. Uh, if you want to give financially, if you're a guest with us, we don't want your money. 
I don't care how much money you have. We don't want it. Uh, we are not after your money. But uh, for some, a response of saying yes to God involves them like tithing financially. That You'll see some people going to do that. There's also prayer request cards that you can fill out if you just want to drop that in. We have a prayer team who will pray for those. And we'll be serving communion. There'll be uh, someone at each of these corners. And the way that that works is you get, uh, we kind of funnel to these, these aisles right here. And we go one at a time. And whoever's serving is going to have the, there'll be like the bread and there'll be the juice. And um, you take the bread and you dip it in the juice yourself and you take it. Like it's like a self-led thing. And they're going to say something. So don't be alarmed when they say something. But they're going to say the body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ poured out for you. Um, don't, just pretend that it is Jesus that is saying that to you. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Um, they will be doing that. So it is self-led. Sometimes I think you get up there and you're like, oh man, what are the instructions? I need my crib sheet or something. And, uh, that's how that's going to work. And we'll, we come to the aisles and we kind of kind of flow back around that way. The wagons kind of swing this way, I guess. Um, so there'll be a lot of movement going on. You could do one of those things. You can do none of those things. You can do all of those things. Whatever it is, we want to just give you a chance to be you and to let whatever God's stirring in you kind of have a chance to flesh out a little bit more. And so uh, at the end, I'll remind you of what those are, but I want to just get those instructions out of the way so we can just kind of roll right, right into it. Uh, John chapter 11 is, uh, is where we find the story of Lazarus. And uh, let me just kind of give an overview of the story, and then we're going to zero in on one specific part of it. Here's, the, here's a quick summary. Jesus' friend Lazarus, uh, he got sick, and he died. So Jesus goes to be with, this, his, with Lazarus' sisters, um, and he's very close with Lazarus and, and, Lazarus and his sisters. So he goes to be with them. He becomes very moved. He becomes uh, just very grieved with what's going on. And so uh, he goes to the tomb where Lazarus has been buried, and he uh, has it, it opened up, and then he raises him from the dead. And, you know, just a normal Tuesday for Jesus, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so that's kind of the overview. Lazarus gets sick. Jesus goes, is grieved, goes to the tomb, raises him from the dead. All right? No big deal, right? So um, what, what is it about this story? Like, how does this story connect to Easter? Well, let me, let's, let's read the middle part of it a little bit. Starting in verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Mary, uh, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Then after that, he goes and raises him from the dead. So let's zero in, though, on uh, verse 25 and 26, because this is an incredibly profound statement that has a lot to do 
with, with Easter and what we celebrate. Look at 25 and 26 again. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes in me shall never die. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Let's kind of break those verses down a little bit. Verse 25, Jesus starts off, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. So Martha, Martha had a correct understanding of what was going to happen in, in the final days. Um, that, there, that there is a resurrection for all those who are in Christ, that that is going to happen. So it's not that she was wrong in saying, when he, when he said, your brother will live again, she's like, I know, I know, like one day. She was right, but that's not what Jesus meant. You know, he was more thinking like two day instead of one day. So she, so she was right, but he was like, well, it's kind of more going on here than that. The really stunning statement, though, is, is he says, I am the resurrection. Like, what does that even mean? Like, that's, a big, that's a big statement. And there are times when, in the Bible when God says, you know, I am something, or Jesus says, I am something. And we need to pay attention to those statements because he's telling us something really, really significant. So what does he mean uh, when he says, I am the resurrection? Uh, here's, here's what the ESV study Bible says, and I just think it's great. So Jesus does not merely say that he will bring about the resurrection or that, or that he will be the cause of the resurrection, even though both are true. He says something much stronger. Resurrection from the dead and genuine eternal life in fellowship with God, listen to this, are so closely tied to Jesus that they are embodied in him. And can be found only in relationship to him. Jesus is, is taking this, this thing that's a concept or, or an event, you know, kind of he, he's saying he's saying, no, those are those are not concepts or events, like those are actually it's actually a person. He does this often. He says, I'm the way, the truth, the life. You're like, well, isn't the way like a pat like a isn't that a thing? You know? Isn't truth like this, like, you know, Kind of like intangible deal. What, what, what do you mean your life? God is love. What does that you know? What does that mean? I'm saying, well, these are really not concepts. These are actually like a person. Like God literally is these things. We we kind of have it have it have it out of order. So, in other words, you don't have to wait till the end of days to be made alive again. That's what he's saying. She, he says, your brother will live again. She says, I know, I know. One day, he, he's like, no, you don't have to wait until that day down the road to be alive. You can be alive now. That resurrection is not like a one-day thing. It's not a down-the-road thing. It's not an eventually thing. The last part of the song we just sang, that's about something that is going to happen, but that does not mean that there is no life until then. Jesus says, no, I am, I am the resurrection. I'm the embodiment of this idea that, you're, that you think is down the road in some event, but in reality, it's standing right next to you the whole time. Like, I'm, I am him. So, okay, what does that mean, though? You know, like, what, what does it mean that he's a resurrection? Like, what is that? What benefit? Like, how does that even work? Well, he tells us in the next part of the verse, look at 25 again. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. 
So how does that help us understand what he's talking about? Well, one is there's a difference between physical death and spiritual death. Difference between physical death and spiritual death. Physical death will come to all of us unless Jesus comes back first, which he's going to do. And some of you in this room may live to see that, and some of you may not. But physical death will come to all of us. That's a, that's a, that's a given. Spiritual death is different. Spiritual death is something that we are born with and cannot change on our own, regardless of how good you are. No matter how awesome you may be, no matter how hard you try, you can't, like a dead person can't bring themselves back to life. They're, a dead person is dependent on an outside force acting on them to bring them back to life. I think I said it last week, if, like when paramedics come in and they, and they rub the paddles together and shock someone back, like the person that's laying there is completely dependent on them to do something. A person who is flatlined on the operating table is dependent on the doctors to do something. They have to be acted upon. They can't do it themselves. And Spiritual death is the same way where it just it kind of comes to us. Here's a couple of verses. You don't need to turn to them. Uh, we'll put them on the screen. Here's where some of that idea comes from. Genesis 2. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Adam and Eve eat of the tree, but yet they don't die. They don't like drop dead right there. They, they go on. I mean, we're here in part because of it. And he wasn't talking about physical death. He's talking about spiritual death, which we have seen play out in history. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in sons of disobedience. Paul says you were, like you were spiritually dead. You were physically alive, but spiritually dead. And because you're spiritually dead, your life looks the way that it does. Because of spiritual death, our world looks the way that it does. Because of spiritual death, we don't really want to watch the news, do we? We don't really want to read the newspaper. We really don't want to check our Facebook feed and have people just constantly throwing up these terrible stories. Spiritual death is why the world is so broken all around us. Physical death is terrible to go through uh, and to deal with and degree, but spiritual death is the real enemy. Romans five twelve says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that would be Adam, and death through sin... So death spread to all men because all sinned. So that's, so Jesus is, it's important to understand when he says, I'm the resurrection, the the difference between spiritual death and physical death. Jesus is grieving physical death. When you, when you read the account, I mean, he's, he's overcome with it. He begins to weep, even though he's about to raise his friend from the dead. He's still so caught up in the sadness of the grieving family. It's, it's terrible. And while physical death is, it is a thing that we should not dismiss, we should grieve, like all that stuff is very healthy. His real concern, though, is spiritual death. When he's talking about being the resurrection, uh, here he brings Lazarus back to life, but eventually he died. He eventually, like, his physical body gave out. What Jesus is interested in, though, is saying, hey, look how physical resurrection actually teaches you something deeper about spiritual resurrection, which is what every one of you really need. That's the real problem, and that's the real solution, is you're spiritually dead, you need to be brought back to life. So watch this physical resurrection, and then let me connect some dots to the deep, like the real, like who you are. You are broken and dead. I can make you whole and alive, that thing. That's what he's trying to get across to her. 
And so she's right, but he's saying, like, no, let me, let me show you something that's actually deeper than this. So how does spiritual life really come to us, though? See, the spiritually alive will really never die. We'll die physically, but you, you don't ever die. You live on. That's part of what he's trying to help us understand. That's part of what this resurrection helps us like clue into is that, guess what? You, at some point, your physical body is going, is going to stop working. It's just going to happen. But that does not mean that you die. It means you, you, you leave this world, you leave this broken vessel, but you continue to live. Easter is, is one of those times where like a, a, it, it, it kind of just makes you, it makes you face death. It makes you face the reality that all of us are going to do that. All of us are going to go through that. Good Friday is a terrible day. Now, when the weather isn't perfect, like this last one was, it's a little, you know, it's a little easier if it's like stormy and nasty and whatever, and it's kind of like heavy. But sometimes like this, this year, the weather was perfect and it's just, it's, you're outside and a lot of people are off of work and it's so easy to kind of be like, oh man, what a great holiday weekend. And then your church puts something on social media at 9 a.m. And it's like, yeah, your savior's being crucified right now. And you're like, oh, that's right. Like death, like it's dark and it's difficult and it's terrible. And our Savior went through it. And even though Sunday was coming, Friday was a full day. And Saturday was a full day. And so spiritual life, spiritual resurrection is what we need. If we are spiritually dead, we need someone to act on our behalf to bring us back to life. Like Lazarus needed Jesus to do physically, we need God to do for us spiritually. And so Jesus helps us understand that. So first of all, that was, that, that was the long, long drawn out first point. Uh, when he says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. We have to understand he's talking about spiritual death, not physical death. So then the, the key, though, is, is twice he's, he says, believe in me. Look at the verse again. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet he lives. Uh, he, he'll live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Twice he says it. So how does spiritual resurrection happen? How do you cross from death to life? Well, b- faith is what he says here. Belief. Trust. Relationship, though. It's a, it's a I trust in, in who Jesus is. I trust in, in his character, in his holiness, in his power. I trust that Jesus Christ has the power to change any human life, including bringing me back to life. I trust that in the empowerment of the Spirit and the purity of the Son and His sacrifice and the power of the Father to put His Son to death and to bring Him back to life. I believe, I trust in all of that, but it's a relational trust. It's not a, it's not a mental trust. It's not a, a fact that you believe. It's a person that you know, that you trust. It's different. So that is the pathway to, to spiritual resurrection, to crossing from death to life. The pathway is through belief. He says it twice. But it's not, notice that he says, whoever believes in me. That word in is, is literally, it literally means into. Like you, you are believing into, into me. There's a couple other verses where this same language happens. 
Again, you don't need to turn to it. Just, just listen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. There's that into language again. By grace you have been saved. In other words, you didn't bring yourself back to life. It's the grace of God acting for you. Verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So there's, there's this with language, there's this in language that's there. Colossians 3, 3 and 4. Uh, Paul's real big on this stuff, by the way. Um, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also appear with him in glory. Romans 6. 3 and 4, but do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. There's this, there's this invitation to unite with Jesus. You know, for, for many years... In my mind, I'm only speaking for me, I'm not speaking for anyone else. In my mind, the gospel was about, how I, it was about me not going to hell when I died. That was the, like, why do you, why do you, why have you placed your faith in Jesus? I don't want to go to hell. I want to be with, in, in heaven with him. Heaven's way better. It, because he's there. So I, I loved him, but, but it, it had a, just a lot of like, um, where do you want to spend eternity? It was kind of like, for me, it was my just like very limited perspective on it. And the older I got and the more I started to, to read the scriptures and, and have like discussions in community with other people and, and, and taught by, by people who just really know the word, I started to, to realize like, no, this is like, it is about eternity, yes, but it's also about right now. It's about, do I, am I alive right now? Am I living in eternity right now? Am I experiencing heaven right now? Is heaven just a future thing? Is the kingdom, kingdom of God just a future thing? Is resurrected Josh just a future thing? Is real abundant life just what heaven's going to look like? And I'm just going to have to like figure it out the hard way until I get there. Is there just enough, enough Jesus in my life for him to not throw me into hell and then one day I'll be like, oh, okay, I see how it all fits. Okay, that's really, really great. Can I just, by the skin of my teeth, get into heaven and everything be okay? It's like, no. Jesus says, no, I, Martha, I'm, I am the resurrection. I'm standing with you right, right now. Like, you can be as alive as you will ever be for all of eternity right now. Now, Life is going to be hard. Like you're physically going to wear out, and you're going to you live in a world that's still broken. And there's all these, so it's not going to be like as full as you want it to be in terms of how it actually like is on externally, but internally, you can be who you will always be forever. Right now, you can be how I intended you to be. When you read Psalm 139, and it talks about being wonderfully made and how he's known you and how he's crafted you and put you together. That wasn't, that wasn't uh, to be 
broken and beat down by this world, Eden was the, that was the plan. We think we know better than God, and that led to spiritual death. And God comes in and says, hey, I'm going to bring you back to life. I'm going to teach you how to live now in this world. And that transformation is going to happen all over the planet, all over time. Just inviting people, though, into his life. Is it about heaven and hell? Okay, yeah, that's part of it. But it's about being into his life now. That's what he's inviting Martha into. That's what he's inviting Lazarus into. That's what he's inviting you and I into. Is It's whoever believes into me. He's saying, come be a part of me. Come be one with me. And that's how you will never die. That's how you will always live. That is the invitation to unite with Jesus through faith and to be with him in a literal sense through his, his death and his burial and his resurrection. And if, if we can put Romans 6, 3 and 4 back on the screen. There's something here as I close that is very important for us to all grab onto. Just as Jesus crossed from death into life, we do the same thing, and he has carried us along with him. Look at the the verses. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Here... We, we hear baptism, we tend to think of the waters. And that is the, I mean, that's, we're not talking about like the ordinance here. We're talking about, it's, it's, it's something different. And here's, here, here's how we can think of it. When Jesus says on the cross, it is finished. Here's basically what happens. He says it's finished. That he has taken sin from those who believe in him. He's brought, brought it into him. God has, has done the whole thing. He has destroyed your sin. When Jesus says it is finished, you who believe in him are baptized into him. In a spiritual, in a spiritual sense, you become one with him. And when he died, you died. You were baptized into him, like immersed into him. And when he was buried, who was buried? You were buried. And when he was raised, you were raised. I was raised. That this is Jesus' resurrection day, it's also yours and mine. That's what it's saying here. I'll read it again. All of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. So when he died, you died. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That's what he's telling Martha right here. He says, if you believe in me, like if you are baptized into me, it means that I died, so you died. I was buried, so you were buried. I was raised, so you were were raised. You were raised with me. You're seated with me. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. All of those things pulled into one amazing reality. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
It's all, in, it's, it's all about me. And then he looks at her. I love this. He just like lays it all out. What does he say at the end of that verse? The end of verse 26. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? She says, yes. Awesome. Resurrection for Martha. Resurrection for Lazarus. Resurrection for Jesus. Resurrection for me. Resurrection for you. It's all going to come down to the fact that Jesus is it. I mean, he's life. He's it. And he invites us to be, to, he invites us into his life to be as alive now as we will ever be forever. That that can be our reality. The difficulty is that we are alive, but yet we, we sometimes kind of live like we were still dead. And that might be some of where you are, is you're like, okay, I, I've, I've said yes to this, but yet, man, I still act like I did before, you know? And unfortunately, some, like, sometimes like, just like the, the Christian community doesn't really know what to do with that. And sometimes we can be just very weird about that. And so if you feel like that maybe is kind of you where you're like, I, I know he's made me alive because I remember, I know what that was like, but yet nothing ever really changed and I kind of act like I'm dead still and I've just never really known what to do with it. You need to know that Jesus knows exactly what to do with that. That Jesus understands the fact that, hey, you're alive, but you don't know how to live that way. This is why he says, come, just come follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross, which is about obedience, and, just, and follow me. Like, learn to live like me. And don't do it on an island. Do it with other people who are also learning the same thing. That's why churches are so imp- important. Christian community is so important. Because you can't live this resurrected life like, to, the, to the fullest and do it by yourself. You've got to have Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you've got to have people around you who, are, who can like, relate to you. But if, you've, if you haven't had anything to do with God for a long time, then you just need to know that he's on board with, with this. Like he's on board with you like coming back to him. He's not sitting there shaking his head. And he's not saying, you better you got to go get your act straight before you can come back to me. That the message of Jesus has always come as you are. It, but don't plan to stay as you are. That's the caveat, you know. That's the, that's the qualifier. It's like, hey, come as you are. As long as you don't want to stay like you are, come to me. And like, we'll, we'll do this. It'll be fine. I'll bring you into a community that understands because they're doing the same thing. Even if they kind of act like they got it all figured out, they really don't. Maybe you have said yes to him and you, like, you, you just know that you're learning to walk in abundance more and more and more and more. Maybe the dominant emotion for you today is just gratitude to the Lord and celebration for that. Or maybe you've just never really asked yourself, do I really believe this? You know? Maybe you've never really asked yourself, am I dead or am I alive? And you might know the answer right away. If, if you're sitting there, you're like, you know, I, I need to be resurrected. I need to be spiritually brought back to life. You can, you and Jesus can handle that right today. You just tell him. You say, "I am, I am dead. You are the pathway to life. I believe that you came to do this for me. I want to be baptized into you. I want to be raised with you." 
if that is you today, then I'll just ask you one thing. Just don't leave here without telling somebody else. Because we'll need to talk about that because we want to be a part of that journey. And some of our elders and staff will be here on, at the front. If you want to, like, I just need someone to walk me through it. They would love to walk you through it. So whether you've said yes and you're confident about it, you've said yes, but you're not so confident about it, or you don't know what you've ever said, you're not sure what to do. We want to give you a chance to respond to what God is stirring from gratitude all the way to, like, I need to pray for the very first time. I need to be resurrected today. That's why we have different options. So whether you, you want to come kneel and pray, you want to receive communion, you want to have someone pray for you, you want to stay and sing, it doesn't really matter. There's going to be a lot, of, a lot of folks moving around the room in a minute. But listen, this is about Jesus bringing us into life. Whether it's learning to walk in abundance or raising us for the first time and everywhere in between, this is about him and what he offers to us. So let's stand together. Let me pray for us. We're going to have our time of response that I described a minute ago. Let me pray for us. Jesus, what a, what a gift you are to us. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And you could have just left us there to just be dead. You could have just had enough with us thinking that we know better than you. Us thinking that we would make a better God than you. All that kind of stuff. You could have just left us alone. But yet love wouldn't let you do that. Father, Son, Spirit, you crafted a plan that involved you laying down like your own life. So that we could be resurrected. So that we could be... Uh, we could die with you and be buried with you and be raised to life with you. Why would you invite us into something like that? Love is the only explanation. It's the only explanation. And so, Father, no matter where we are on a spectrum from needing to be resurrected all the way to like people who really have just never felt closer to you and just want to tell you thank you and everywhere in between, these closing moments, these next few moments of response are very important to you. See the scriptures, you ask us the same thing you asked Martha. Do you believe this? We want to confidently answer. So would you use these these various options of response to trigger some things in us? You have said yes to us already. Now what would we say to you? These moments are yours. We love you. We pray this in your name.